what else is going on in the world of gaming? Uh, Fleabag writer. Do you ever check out Fleabag, Matt? I had it recommended, and I just I watched a trailer. And I was like, eh, I don't. I've only watched like four episodes, but I really liked them. And it's <laughs> like it's the weirdest thing that the Fleabag actress is going to be writing a Tomb Raider show. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what to think about that. So yeah. I am very intrigued. Um, and yeah, Tomb Raider, huh? I yeah, actually... Tomb Raider TV show written by um, I don't know. I have more. I'll say my confidence scale. I I would put that over God of War. God of War to me, I'm like have zero interest in. I I agree. Um, but yeah, who knows? Uh, is there some cool writers on the God of War thing though? Possibly. I I haven't paid enough attention. Like honestly, when I heard they like announced it, oh, was, they had the uh, they had the Expanse writers. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that I don't know. That gives me some hope because that show is really well written. At least I mean, I only watched the first season, but I I thought it was really well written. So I see. I am. I feel like that part might be okay, but my concern with it is like Last of Us works because, like we've talked about, like cutting out like all the action sequences or like the the stealth shit, like doesn't impact like the plot at all but like so much of what god of war is is like heavy action and there's no way that it's going to be cooler than what was shown in the game like some cgi like bullshit um, you say the same thing about tomb raider though like but at least like with that it's like there really hasn't been like a true like people love that like indiana jones shit and like There really hasn't been anything that ever replaced that. So Uncharted. I can see. <laughs> I mean, seriously, it was like National Treasure, Uncharted. Oh. Like, there's so yeah. many like attempts at it and people eat it up, but none of them have been good. So, yeah. Well, she's going to be in the next Indiana Jones movie. So. Oh, yeah. So we'll see her action chops in that. I am. I was very surprised to see that as well. And she wasn't. Uh... Solo as well. I don't remember Solo. It was so bad. I try to erase that from memory. <laughs> she, she was a co-pilot. Or yeah, I don't remember being a co-pilot. <laughs> I just uh, we sucked. Uh, so yeah, and I've I've watched like one episode of Fleabag, but didn't really get too into it. But I've seen. Oh man, like I said, I've only watched like four episodes, but I thought it was fucking hilarious. I've heard good things. I mean, I just, I don't know. I have a tendency to anything British. I usually yeah. like deduct three <laughs> points immediately. So. Dress down. <laughs> Hello, guys, gals, and non-binary pals. Welcome to Couch Co-op, a video game podcast. It's basically our little book club, only we talk about video games and, you know, share whatever nerdy stories come along with them. Uh, today I'm joined by Dave and Jack, and we are going to discuss basically why we play certain video games. But before we dive into that larger conversation, we like to go around the room and share what we've currently been playing. So, Dave, you want to start us off? Tell us what you've been playing currently. Uh, Jack, 
was uh, cool enough to get Halo 2 Master Chief Collection on, which features like all the original Halo 2 maps and then the Halo 2 anniversary games. So uh, we've been playing a lot of 4v4 because 8v8 apparently is dead. Unfortunately, no big team battles. But um, yeah, like I, I've had a blast. Uh, I think Jack had a blast, you know, especially in like relearning the controls, like how simple they are. Like, yeah, it, it's kind of just takes you back. I thought, well, we, we tried Halo Infinite first uh, and it didn't really work out. <laughs> no. We actually, I think we gave it a fair shake though. We tried like multiple online game modes. We went through the um, first like hour and a half of the campaign and nothing hooked us. So Plum wanted to give Halo 2 a shot because that's what, I mean, is that your favorite game of all time? It's got to be in the top three. Yeah, straight up. And um, yeah, so. We ended up just like getting into the multiplayer aspect of it, playing some 4v4 Slayer, uh, a few other games. Like, uh, I think one Jack and I, like, we killed it on like Moving King of the Hill, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, we had a couple of good games. I killed yeah. it very strong. <laughs> Mostly I got killed. You had a, you had a few, you had a few uh, throwbacks. So that was nice. Um, I just yeah, thought it'd be yeah. cool because you know I don't play a lot of first-person shooters, but what I do now typically is a, is like a slower pace. And holy cow, four v four moves so fast! Like you are rarely out of the con. Basically, you die or or you kill if you're Dave, and you die if you're me, and you're out of the combat for maybe like fifteen seconds tops, and then you're instantly like shooting it out with somebody who's around the corner. But the I mean, look these people knew the map so well, like they're like, I got, I got just decimated. Like people were like jumping through windows and shit that I'd even like, I, I thought like somebody was hacking until I realized they're throwing grenades through this window that I kept running by. <laughs> like it was, it was pretty embarrassing. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it, it was a blast. And I was glad to know I still had some of the old touch left. Um, like I had a 10 kill spree in one of the games so it was i don't know it was fun i got a hold of the sword so i just started wrecking shop with it but and then i've also been playing wasteland 3 which um is this isometric like strategy turn-based game with like a heavy crpg in it like you get a lot of dialogue options that kind of jet you off in a different pass and you can handle fights like determined on your build such as like charm you know, you can talk your way out of some of the situations or not. So it's got a heavy, like, tabletop element to it. So it, it's been pretty fun. I've only been playing it in, like, an hour-long chunk here and there. Haven't really been able to dedicate a good amount of time yet. But um, I believe that's the uh, original Fallout, guys. So um, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, very similar to the original Fallout 1 and 2 with the kind of landscape and the combat and everything so i enjoyed wasteland too i i I know i've mentioned that to you guys it's just was so damn buggy that uh you know i can't recommend it to anyone but i enjoyed the experience so based on how you get through on this one plum i might actually end up picking it up because uh i i do like that type of game a lot actually is there like a heavy narrative to that 
because I always when I think of like old school fallout, that's what I think of like making choices, making decisions that kind of influence the world around you. Is is that kind of the um it I don't know about three, but I know in two it was the text box of old yeah. where it's like you read everything kinda in there. So like yeah, there's a lot of decisions you make, but it's really bare bones, kind of just the layout in terms of like discussions with people or like you click on something and ask you if you want to work on it and that it does the RNG, you know, generator. But um yeah, I I like it. It's very bare bones and I personally get more immersed from reading little text box descriptions of things sometimes than like all these modern super fancy 3D generated like talking points and A-list actors. Like sometimes it's nice to have to use your imagination a little. And what does the combat consist of? Uh, have you what is what's that game? SOCOM, where the aliens invade and then you know, XCOM. Yeah. XCOM. There you go. I haven't played it, but yeah, it's it's basically XCOM. You know. So like turn-based strategy. Yeah. Like uh, for example, I picked a fight in a bar, and you know, in this game, you can initiate the attack first, which gives you quite a considerable advantage. You know, your whole group goes first, so you can wipe out strategic enemies uh or you can play it like i did originally was kind of get caught on the back foot and then they threw a molotov cocktail into my group which was all like around each other and my entire group died except for three (laughs) there's no way i was gonna revive them so i reloaded the last save and i played it out and made sure like i got kind of like what i wanted to get focused down so um but yeah, it's been pretty cool. I've got a sniper and I've got an assault guy and I've got a melee and I've got like the science dude and a few other things. And it's pretty, it's pretty dense so far, but I'm at the beginning. So I'm like, you know, meeting a lot of new characters, getting introduced to new mechanics and that kind of stuff. So I'm expecting that. But um, yeah, it's the cool thing is though, all the dialogue lines are spoken. So, you know, you can sit and listen to it. and But if you're in a hurry, you know, you can just go ahead and mash on the next button and you're good. So, uh, yeah, I suggest playing it, Matt. I'll keep that in mind. Jack, you playing anything else besides Halo 2? Yeah. Uh, Plum, isometric. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, I'm also going that route. But, Matt, you sent a pretty funny meme uh Oh, I don't know, like a week and a half ago, stating the three uh, only styles that indie developers make. And it made me particularly chuckle because one of those threes, three was uh, Metro, Metroidvania Dark Souls hybrid. Uh, and I am playing Tunic, which is a, you know, that old school isometric uh, Zelda wander around and explore. Um, and it has heavy influences by Dark Souls heavy metroidvania influences so uh when you sent that i got a i got a good kick out of that because you know i mean i always that that's like one of my go-tos that's this you know i mean it's a, it's a huge genre all sorts of different styles but but that's pretty much it um but this one really excels in like the um uh, the mystery of the world there's secrets behind every corner really cool scenery um all sorts of fun surprises I mean, it's almost like a joke in some ways. Like, if you see a waterfall, there's going to be something hidden behind said waterfall. And there's probably, like, ten of them in the game. And I don't think there's a single single one that doesn't have a hidden room in back. Um, 
But what's really cool about this game is, is there is a mechanic that I have not seen in any other game. And that is um, as you traverse the world, you find like upgrades, money, you know, coins to upgrade your character. But you also find pages of a game manual. And it kind of like resembles that old school, like, you know, sleeve you'd pull out of an SNES cartridge and you flip through it and it tells you all the tips and tricks in the game. And, and that's what you find. You find pages of that scattered throughout the world. And it's very, um, it's very by design. Like you reach a certain area and you'll start finding pages that are specifically to that area, whether it's the map of that area, whether it's tips and tricks to help you out in the beginner game or in the late game, they start like breaking down some really um, kind of dense stuff. Um, I think that was the highlight of the game for me. I think it's just a really, I I hope I see this implemented in other games in in some sort of sense. It really kind of, not only is it nostalgic, but it, it's really kind of just adds to the the charm and and fun. And um, as far as combat, combat was fine. Um, It's, it's, you know, they did a good job with the bosses and all that, but for the most part, you can find better combat in a lot of other games. Um, The mystery there's so many like, whoa moments or like, cool. I figured this out moments. There's also some really just like it, it can be a tough game to navigate. A lot of times, even with that manual, you don't know where the hell to go. And particularly some really like in-depth post game content, uh, puzzling stuff. The game completely like kind of like transforms into a, into a, just a completely different style of game at the end. And I couldn't keep up personally. You know, I, I beat the witness talus principle without using a guide. I was lost here. Um, but some people, they find it the highlight of the game. So if you want to check out something, you know, uh, really kind of in depth that you can pour over this manuscript, uh, this, this could be a real, a real winner for you. Um, yeah, that was tunic. Um, I also played a, another isometric game, <laughs> lonely mountains downhill. Uh, there's no NPCs, there's no cutscenes, there's no nothing. It's just you, your bicycle, and a bunch of mountain trails. And this one was pretty cool because um, it wasn't isometric, and that's really rare for like a, a basically what amounts to a racing game. And you make your way down this mountain. There's all sorts of shortcuts that you can uncover. There's all these different bicycles you can unlock, which you know some are really good going down like rocky terrain and. Um, you can use those to go down some some big shortcuts, and I don't know. It, it was just really cool shaving seconds off, like basically what feels like um, you know like a modern day platformer because you're trying to finish the races in under a certain amount of time. You crash, you restart, you instantly are back to you know your last checkpoint. Um, I thought they did a really good job with this one. I think it's like you know a really small team. There's like ten people working on it, and it was a, a fun way to spend like seven or eight hours biking down this mountain i was gonna say my uh favorite racing game of all time actually is isometric so i can actually appreciate that for sure what was that rock and roll racing on the old SNES. interesting see i i don't think i've ever played it i don't know um uh there was the other one too that was in all the arcades back in the day the four by four super cross one um where it was all i remember it was like you could be a red car blue car yellow car and yeah it was that was another one that actually it was really really fun there's something about like it that i think adds an extra element of 
just making turns that you can see coming. It's like a extra, you have to overcompensate almost. And it, it adds an extra dimension I really enjoyed actually. Well, the controls were pretty tight in this game. Um, but like all the different angles shifting on the isometric can make it really difficult sometimes to like see if you're about to run straight into a boulder, which can be frustrating. Um, but it does like unlock one, you can like see like this beautiful scenery that they did. And two, it just kind of turns into this puzzler almost where like, you're like always looking out for like little shortcuts or like ways you can shape, like even like a 10th of a second off, um, which I don't know, just gave the, gave it a different dimension that like, I played descenders last year and that's like first person going down the mountain and it really didn't click for me. Um, but this, this game, this game did, I thought it was, it was pretty cool. Um, so yeah. So are, are there any obstacles like animals and that kind of stuff? No, it's literally the only thing living on this sucker is, is, is you and you go down this mountain. I mean, there's like birds and shit, but they don't get in your way. Um, it's like, it's really pretty, but it's, it's pretty bare bones in terms of like content. Um, which is why I got like seven, eight hours out of it. And th- that was really all I could get. You know, I, I didn't do all the challenges, but I did unlock all the different uh, trails and like four of the bikes. Um, yeah. So are you confident giving it a review uh, score or? Yeah. Cause I, I think I actually did kind of experience, I, I think I'd give this like a, I think I'd give this an 7.5, maybe an eight. Um, for what it is, it's probably an eight. Um, just know that it is pretty bare bones, simple premise. Um, if you come in with that and you just want to do some speed runs, I think it's I think it's a solid eight. Solid. So I know in Plumber's case, you were playing Halo Two, which is obviously a ten because it's one of your favorite games of all time. We don't speak of Infinite because you abandoned it after a couple hours, and and you're only a couple hours into Wasteland Three, so it's a bit too early to have a, a true score yet. But um, are you done with Tunic as well then, Jack? Would you rate that one? Did I finish Tunic. I would rate it on my very subjective personal enjoyment scale. Uh, I'll give that a, I, I'll go 7.5 on that. But I can see where a lot of people would really love this game. Like I can, I can get why there's like our community around like uncovering all these crazy secrets because it really does get in depth. There's a whole language you can, um, you can, uh, transcribe um that fits into all the puzzles in the game so that's my personal score not really objective <laughs> i i mean it's comical to me because you reference that meme and meanwhile like all i'm thinking this whole time you're talking about is like i literally just got done with hollow knight and everything you <laughs> described i could pretty much apply exactly to my review of hollow knight um I'd rank it a bit higher. I'll say I, I, Hollow Knight to me is like about a nine, nine, probably nine and a half in terms of my own personal enjoyment. Um, the only reason I wouldn't consider it, honestly a 10 is that like it really fell off for me at the very end. Um, just in the sense that I didn't fall in love with it. Like the community of people who just adore that game do where like they want to actually go through and get the 112% afterward. Like for me, once I got to the hollow Knight fight, I was done. Like I was so ready to be done. And it kind of came out of nowhere. Like, like I knew it was a boss battle coming up. I didn't realize it was like the boss fight and it just kind of 
and it wasn't all that difficult. So it just kind of like ended. And then it was just like, you beat it. And it was like, great. I have zero desire to do this all over again, just so I can find a few stupid trinkets and pop a few trophies so I can give you guys the finger over it. Like, so. Um, the post game content in hollow Knight is really freaking hard. I mean, if you go on the, you know, into like their communities, yeah, there's a lot of people who've done it, but I don't know. I, I think I'm pretty decent at those kind of games and I, I couldn't get past the second trial. I think that's where you landed to the second trial. Uh, you beat the second trial, right? I did two arena battles and yeah, after- that's what I'm talking about. I never even touched the Pantheon, which is where it's supposedly supposed to get like insane. Um, but I did do the path of pain, which is like the, um, which is the uh, uh, platforming areas. And, and that, I, I enjoyed that quite a bit. So, Yeah, like I said, I thought it was a brilliant game. I definitely am glad I played it, and I can see why it's so adored. But it definitely didn't grip me like those folks who get really into it. Like, I was very much over it once, once I was done. So um, since that, I've moved on to Watch Dogs 2 which is very much like your red box shitty action movie equivalent of a video game for me. Like it's a seven and a half effort all through and through, and I'm enjoying it. I think it's very well done. It's a Safeway select grand theft auto five, but (laughs) it has a little bit of charm to it. Like I've always liked that hacker thing just because it's so intriguing. Like just, it's a weird universe subculture that I don't get. Like, I enjoyed Mr. Robot. I enjoyed the old ha- shitty Hackers movie with Angelina Jolie. Um, and I like how they implement it into the games where it doesn't take itself seriously. And it basically, it's a neat way to do some of the puzzles where you can k- take control of all these different CTV cameras. And it kind of allows you to eventually navigate to find the key ports and whatnot. So, um, and there's some really fun humor, too, because you can hack in anybody's cell phone. And you see all these like funny messages people are having with each other or like weird, like notes on crimes that they've committed. They're like all the, always some lewd bizarro thing. So it, it's not a classic to me, but I've enjoying it. One of the things that always kind of makes me leery of games like watchdog too, is it's kind of like the Spider-Man treatment where you have these mini games that are <clears throat> puzzles, but they're really like, really basic they take a while um and that's kind of when i think of watchdogs hacking i'm like immediately that's i'm like i bet it's like that is is that a fair comparison like or is there actually a little bit more to the hacking than just kind of i don't mind them i could actually see you liking the way they do some of the hacking because in a lot of the cases it's really just rotation puzzles and most of it is spider-man thing i hate that (laughs) yeah but with this like you're rarely like i don't know like you're pretty much stationary and it's just kind of locating the various different angles in which you view the puzzle and that's how you complete it so i i haven't experienced it to be on the same par i know exactly what you're talking about and admittedly i had more of an issue with the first watchdogs because um that one was like the classic ubisoft like you know, here's another tower for you to climb up or locate the one way to unlock this thing. And there's a hundred of them. And if you don't do all hundred, you can't access X, Y, Z. So um, this one, it's been 
super just nice blowing past every single like hey here's a race you could do to gain an achievement it's like ah, fuck you i'm not doing that i'm just getting straight to the campaign and you know maybe a few side quests here and there so it's it's enjoyable but it's not something like i'm not sucked into the universe at all it's and it's really dumb like i can't stress how fucking dumb the plot of this game is like it is so over like the first one had like hints of just kind of that dystopic like here's the future where everything's online so you can hack anything and you know just kind of that fear of big brother this one it's like hey look at these cartoon characters that like all do parkour somehow but are also amazing hackers and can break into security systems controlled by the military and can shoot up all these random security guards and yet somehow are the good guys. <laughs> and, you know, it, it just makes no sense at all. But if you just want something to just like engage for, you know, that kind of like GTA five, like wacky universe with a little extra component, eh, it's amusing enough. So. All right. Well, that kind of leads us anyway into the topic at hand, gentlemen. So really the basis for this conversation is the concept of what, thought process goes into what games you chose to play um it can go as deep or as light as we want to but clearly (laughs) we all have different interests when it comes to the games we play so i just kind of think it'd be fun for us especially now that we're getting older and we have to value our time a bit more than we did you know 10 years ago when we could game all night with whatever came out um you know just kind of the process that goes into like what you're willing to give a shot how long you're willing to give a shot or what is, you know, something that you will always give a shot no matter what. So uh, Dave, you want to start us off? You and I have kind of similar interests. So I'm curious to see kind of like your thought process when the game like jumps out to you. Well, I think a few things is like which studio, you know, it's coming from is kind of like the first thing I look at. And then I also want to look at the pace of the game and then also, I, I tend to look for games that seem like they're not shallow. You know, like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is great fun, but it's pretty shallow. You know, you're only doing so much. Uh, so games like Disco Elysium really intrigued me, you know, because it had such deep mechanics. And those mechanics could, you know, turn 90 degrees, depending on what choices you make, so forth and so on. You know, I've seen some pretty crazy stuff in that game going through the Platinum. And I never would have gotten those if I didn't chase that Platinum. So, you know, I was really lucky to, like, have the ability and the determination to, like, plow through multiple starts of that game. But, you know, I got it. So, uh I think what type of game too can kind of influence it. I tend to favor the the bigger stories, kind of like the grander ones, Red Dead Redemption 2's, Halo 2, um, Witcher 3, you know, once I started playing it and really kind of understanding the world and I was able to invest into it quite a bit, but, you know, th- those are like kind of my first initial attractions. And I think the cool thing about being on this podcast is that it really opened up a lot of doors into some games that I'm super glad I started playing, but I never would have gave a shot if it wasn't, you know, Jack introduced me to Slate Aspire. Like, I love that game. Like Ryan mentioned 
Ryan and both Jack were mentioning Hades, you know, before I got to it, you know, so. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> Inscription. Um, I don't know. Uh, I, I think because, you know, we do tend to have some differences between us, like it's made my spectrum a lot larger, you know, of wanting to play different games. Like I really want to do play Yakuza and I think I'm probably going to do it this year and, you know, I'm down to check it out and, you know, it's one of your favorite games. So I I could see myself liking it. Right on Jack. You're definitely the Charlie wild card when it comes to your game selection. So I'm just kind of curious to see even a glimpse of what your logic is besides just all the countless critical reviews that you scroll through when you're on when you're ship posting, but I don't think I'm that complicated or that or that stupid, depending on how you look at your car. Um, but I do find it's funny you were just saying like how oh we really value our time so much more now, and and for me like I'm in the opposite boat right now where I have more free time now than I've had in almost ten years. Like you know I've been working heavy hours with very young children for so many years, and I'm for the first time I'm like way scaled back on my work and I've been just diving in pretty, pretty intensely lately. (laughs) Um, But for me, it, it, I don't think it is that complicated. I just have like a few styles of games that I actively avoid Um, like turn-based games. I just have found with a couple exceptions that it's just so rare for me to get into that, that style. I'm too impatient for it. Um, that's probably why he ignored my text when I mentioned Wasteland 3 was co op. <laughs> you didn't even get funny. a response on that one. I was like, holy shit. It's, uh, I did ignore your text, but that's because for some reason I thought Wasteland 3 was a looter shooter, which is another style I try and avoid. And I was like, oh, there goes Plummer back to his old looting. <laughs> um, but um yeah the other thing i try and avoid honestly is is games with like high levels of entry where you have to spend you know if if it if it takes more than like five hours to get the basic gameplay down i will probably try and avoid it because what i do love is playing a lot of different games um and that's i don't know like i look back at like my favorite 25 games of the last generation, you know, um, something we kind of went over on a, on a pod like a year ago. And there's very little parody. Um, there are genres that I kind of gravitate towards like survival games, puzzle games, but even within those genres, there's a lot of like different styles and perspectives, mechanics. And for me, I'm, I'm always just trying to like, outside of you know like the three or four things i know i don't like about games i'm always just trying to jump into something new to keep it you know uh, to to find that next like hidden gem um which is one of the reasons i like this podcast so much is because um it's a lot of obscurity and so i don't really have anybody to talk to about it you know like it's basically this podcast is my is my outlet which is why i'm I'm probably watching you guys like fall asleep during my uh, what have you been playing lately section half the time. It's because I'm like on minute seven of my uh, report about some game you've never heard of. Um, but but for me, I don't know. It's it's cathartic. I'm like, oh, yeah, let me share. 
Well, my favorite part about it is I always, that's like me exactly, like eyes glazing over, just be like, what the fuck is this guy talking about? But I never read anything about video games or any reviews. And then I'll like go online and be like, oh, I wonder what critically like the best game this month is. Or it's always like the top three or the ones Jack's talking about. I'm like, wait, people actually know about these games? Like, <laughs> I thought I mean, everyone just played Call of Duty. <laughs> like, well, you know, I mean, that's, that's it. I am, I am definitely like, I'm very, you know, I, I, I pay a lot of attention to reviews as I often talk about, um, because, you know, I just rather not waste my time. Um, and you know, I do miss out on some good games that way. Cause every now and then I will play a game that I do enjoy that doesn't, that didn't, you know, get exceptional reviews, but for the most part, it's just an easy way to weed out a lot of, a lot of, a lot of t- games that would waste my time. Yeah, no, I, you don't want to be like the, uh, dung eater over here who, sorts through all the shit so you don't have to um well and that's another huge difference between you me and you is if i'm in like hour three and i'm not digging it i'm out whereas you'll usually push through <laughs> and i I've, do push through because it, it is dung <laughs> you gotta push it out <laughs> there was a boss i fought in hollow knight that actually cracked me up because his name is the dung defender <laughs> and he's right. a pro wrestler dung beetle so that guy's my new favorite now <laughs> it was like Awesome. I, I'll take the role of the dung defender, but <laughs> the dung defender. But and, and that's I've mentioned it numerous times. Like that, that's a product of again. Like I was the video store kid. Like I enjoyed that process of like whatever you're stuck with, you're stuck with, and you just gotta stick it out until the end. But trying to have a better approach this year, admittedly. Like there's a reason I started off with Dark Souls three and followed it up with Hollow Knight thus far. So and even Watch Dogs Two is is not my usual foray into the shit that's available for free on PlayStation Network. But uh I was gonna say like what's been fascinating to me and, and kind of what I was more so speaking of when we were talking about um when we're having to value our time more, it's more so like some of the games I really, really enjoyed when I was younger were things in line with like the Matt John Madden football or, you know, NBA 2K or just these time suck games where it's like you can get really good at. It. And I think that's what it boiled down to is like that was what you valued was getting good at it. But it didn't contribute anything like we're talking about now, which is like experiencing all these different genres, different titles that like offer so many different experiences. So it's been an interesting evolution growing out of just saying like, okay, I'm just going to spend hours and hours and hours playing this one title to death. And and quite frankly, as much as I enjoy them, I almost never play sports games now, um, largely for that reason, because that's kind of what ends up happening. You just focus too much on it. Yeah, it's something Jack and I ended up talking about the last we hung out was he appreciated the fact that I wasn't investing so much. And so did I was investing so much in a one game such as Monster Hunter World or Battlefield One or, you know, whatever else it might be. But I think those are two of my biggest time t- uh, time sucks recently. But it was Halo 2, you know, and when you have 90 days true playtime over like two years, that's, that's oh. quite a bit. <laughs> That's quite a bit of time. You know, so it's probably why I still got some skills. They're like some of the oldest neurons in my brain, you know, <laughs> from that game. But um, yeah, you know, this game, you know, this whole situation of just like talking consistently, 
you know, with my two friends about games and stuff. And, you know, it's really kind of helped me open my eyes to another world where I can still appreciate the graphics. I can still appreciate the artwork. You know, most of the time the music's better than what I'm hearing on the AAA games. And, you know, I, that's just, I could see myself not even going down that path and sticking to like probably the Assassin's Creed's, that kind of stuff in between most of my time. But, you know, now, you know, because I appreciated Slay the Spire, it made me appreciate Inscription, you know, a bit, you know, because I was like, okay, it's not the same mechanic, but it's very similar. So, you know, it's being introduced to new stuff, you know, and still trying to appreciate my old FPS history, you know. I think gaming's like, it, it's just in a really cool spot right now. There's this huge, I mean, it's not a secret anymore. There's this huge indie, you know, just spectrum of games that there's so many people who make games now. You know, you're not, you're not at the whim of like, you know, the same two dozen developers. There's hundreds out there. And I think that influences a lot of like how, at least I've shifted away from that style, Matt, that you were talking about, like, you know, spending five years playing Madden. I mean, yeah, it's, it's such a great game. You know, you learn this incredibly complicated system and all the ins and outs of it. And there's so much depth, but like in that time, you can experience so many different worlds and learn so many different mechanics and different ways of solving puzzles. Um, I don't know. It's just, it just seems like you're cheating yourself of all that's out there. No, it's an excellent point. And I think the other thing that's the caveat to that statement about talking about like Madden is particularly when you and I were playing a lot of it, Jack um, was, and quite frankly, honestly, when, when Dave, when you were big time Halo two is that um, that was an era where those games were evolving constantly. Like every iteration of Madden was completely revamped and new. So there was some incentive to like kind of pick it up and get good at because you were kind of relearning a whole new system. It was kind of only later when online play like became this like major component to these games where you can't drastically change these games as much because people are going to be pissed if they're excellent at one year's iteration and then you completely revamp everything and now you suck. So now like you're seeing like with some of these triple A kind of like yearly releases, like they they only make these like slight changes and the focus is more on like the aesthetics and things like that, the production value behind it in terms of like the new features offered. Like it's kind of refreshing when you get into these other genres where now they can tear everything apart, start fresh and throw you into a completely different experience, no matter what the IP is, because you know, it's, that's their approach to it now. And certain games lend itself better to it. Um, you know, we consistently talk about it, so we may as well bring it up again, but like last of us too, like just the transition from that first game to the second game where they could have easily just pumped out the second game right away and had it be the exact same engine with some better graphics and all that. It probably was sold really well, but that time and dedication to completely rebuild everything and make it all that much better, just made for just a, such a gra- more gratifying experience to me. So I guess a big thing that I try to avoid are any of these clear retreads where 
it's like a new new coat of paint that but it's really just going to suck up another 40 hours of my time for a very comparable experience throughout because at a certain point that's when that those are the moments that actually bum me out when i'm playing a game is when i feel like this is 100% me going through the motions just to get to the point where i can say i've completed this yeah we talked about um, that a lot, the the whole retread thing and how we we like to avoid it um and that's you know that's what I was saying earlier. I just there's so many different styles of games out there now. It's it's just really cool that you can you know, hey, yeah. So, are are you still willing to play Witcher three this year, Jack? Well, I'm obligated to uh, willing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <is a> strong <laughs> word. <laughs> I just I was actually you know dipping my toe in the pool just to see where it was at. So <laughs> yeah, no, I um. You know, and, and for the, honestly, for the same reason, um, I did give Witcher 3 a shot. But, uh, I mean, that was probably 10 years ago. And I, I was in a way, I, I was into the type of games Matt's talking about a lot more. I, I mean, I, I dabbled a little bit here and there. But for the most part, I, I'd have a game and I'd play it for, you know, a long time. And so I'm hoping that kind of the evolution of what I like to play will kind of give me more of a perspective on enjoying the Witcher three, because, you know, it is, it is one, I, I don't play a lot of games like it. Um, so I'm hoping that, you know, maybe it'll be that next big thing. Probably not, but you know, like I said, I look back at my favorite games of the last generation and they're all just all over the place. So maybe, uh, maybe Witcher three can, you know, sneak into that, that spectrum. Uh, Geralt is such a strong character and, uh, the voice actor does such a good job on it that I, I highly suggest like at least following through on his dialogues and like paying deep attention to him because he gives him such gravity, but yet such just like sense of humor is involved in it. And it, he's coming off serious, but it, the humor is slapping you in the face. It's good stuff. Good main so, character. Something I hate in all fiction is dream sequences. Like whenever I'm reading a book and there's like a dream sequence, even if it's like connected to the real world, I'm just like, God damn it. I don't need this existential bullshit. And the fact that the Witcher three basically starts off with like this dream sequence, I'm just like, cause I, I, I threw it back on, you know, I'm just like, you gotta be kidding me. Like this is, you know, I, I'm like, okay, Dave, I'm going to give this a shot. And like right off, they start off with one of my, the tropes I hate the most about fiction. <laughs> I, I'm intrigued for that one, Dave. I, I equally hate you, and I, I'm happy that you selected this one because it is one of those that, like, I'm obligated to, to care just for our interest in gaming as a whole. Just to say, I gave it a shot because it's so highly heralded and always comes up on the list of games you need to play. And yet, I have zero desire to play it. But I, but I adored RPGs when I was younger. So that's the other side of it. Is you know, I. I kind of abandon them for again the you know broken record here but yeah it's you kind of reach a point where you don't have the time commitment to throw at some of these 120 hour plus titles but um i've heard only good things so i'm obligated to force my way through can't promise i'll do all the dlc i can tell you that much but i all i urge is that you know maybe you find a list of like the top three side side quests to play and play those out you know, don't don't go through all of them like I did, you know, just because of the sake sake of like diving headfirst into this game. But 
check out like the top three side quests and I would suggest playing those out because those are some of the big brightest gems in that game or is like the storytelling is just so on point in the, these characters that they create so well done. I'm hoping that the the new shine of the PS5 will help, you know, like kind of add a little bit of flavor to it. Well, and when I picked it up 10 years ago, I, I did it because it was so highly regarded, but I didn't have anybody to talk to about it. And I think that could be a major difference too, is, you know, like we're saying, like, a lot of these games we're playing together on this podcast together. It just, it just, it makes it a lot more fun. And hopefully that like gives me the, the kind of, you know, ability to kind of look past the stuff I don't like or, and kind of see it in more of like a social, like, Oh yeah, I can talk about this weird side mission with these kooky characters with my friends. So, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say nothing makes you feel like more of a super nerd when you're playing a game like, freaking inscription and you try to talk to like some casual like work acquaintance about like oh you play video games what have you been playing oh well (laughs) it's this indie title where it's kind of a game within a game it's got really bad graphics (laughs) Uh, i worked an event recently where this poor kid gets stuck with me and he's like i'm into video games (laughs) And I ended up trying to talk him into getting the inscription. I was like, dude, I, I can't reveal too much, but there's like all these 90 degree turns in this game. You think it's one game and then it's another game. And <laughs> this poor kid just heard so many video game conversations from me. Uh, he wasn't doing whatever. I don't even try. I just, if if I find out somebody's really into video games, I'll just very like, cautiously explore that and nine times out of ten there's just so little <laughs> so little there i just imagine jack going like i got the platinum on celeste <laughs> and then so it's like what he's like Never yeah mind. see I, I mean i know better i, I have more <laughs> self-awareness than that <laughs> i won't i won't i won't subject the people on my work to the same same uh experience i give you guys in my seven minute rounds up so the uh what have you been playing lately? <laughs> what and the other aspect of it too is like even though I've heard nothing but good things about Witcher Three, like a vast majority of that are always on gaming subreddits. So it's also like, are these really people I want to be taking advice from on what I'm doing with my free time? <laughs> so there is that component as well. But yeah, like I said, um, I am intrigued for the RPG combat because I do enjoy RPGs. My only issue with them is sometimes that pace of play that you had mentioned before Plumber becomes an issue for me where like sometimes I have very difficulty when I'm all geared up to do my late night gaming on the weekends. And then it's just nothing but dialogue and nothing but dialogue. And half the time I can't even follow along because especially if it's taking place in some mythical world where people have weird names or they use a different, you know, way of describing things like it throws me off too much. So, um, you know, I feel like I'm rolling to die on throwing you guys this one. It's like, I'm like, oh, chances go up. And then you just got done telling me that. I'm like, oh, chances went down. <laughs> I'm telling you right now that my impression of it is largely going to determine how much I make you both suffer with my selection. So, why am I catching strays here? <laughs> I hold you accountable somehow. You've you forced me to play all these damn indie titles that are like half of what motivates me to get through them when they're frustrating as hell is just saying like 
Jack beat it. I should be able to beat it. <laughs> Pure spite. It's the only thing that got me through. Uh, hey, another uh, one, one man's treasure is another man's dumb. What can I say? <laughs> I got a question. Would you guys have played Cult of the Lamb if I hadn't, you know, put it up on the? Yeah, it was on my list. Okay. It was on mine too, but kinda, okay. I, I kind of lucked out with both your, both your guys' games were on my list. Like my definitely going to play within nine months of this being out. Uh, you know, I wouldn't have picked it up as soon as I did. I, you know, um, yeah. But I, what I'll say though is like one of the games that made my top five, Resident Evil Village. I would not have played had uh, we not had this podcast and had you not been excited about playing it for Halloween. And I'm super glad we did because it's, you know, helped re- reinvigorate my interest in that series as a whole. But, um, you know, th- that was definitely a title that I was like, I know I need to play this, but, you know, I'll probably just pick it up when it either comes out for free or comes out as super cheap on some sale. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, that one I was thrilled to, to get a chance to play through. So, um and I'm pretty confident I'm going to get into Witcher 3, like at least enough to get through the game, the main campaign. Yeah, like I said, the main character, there's so much strength on him. And I think he's probably one of the most loved characters and aspects of that game. I probably wouldn't have played Last of Us and Last of Us 2 if, you know, I wasn't involved in this on a regular basis. I probably would have put that off onto the side as a, like another zombie game. So. Like, I, I would say that's a huge positive considering Last of Us 2 made my, you know, game of the year last year. So, and yeah, so I get, you know, I got to say thanks to you guys for introducing but, me to, to that. I think it works in all ways. I mean, hell, even slogging through Cyberpunk was like infinitely more fun, like having you to like be able to talk shit with versus if it was just me stewing on the weekends about like, I don't think I like this, but I paid for it. So I'm going to keep playing it, you know, <laughs> having somebody to actually like validate my feelings and be like, no, nah, this game's bullshit. It's like, okay, good. I'm not crazy. <laughs> I mean, I just turned it into an insane race to the platinum because I wanted to hoard as much points as I could. That's, that's that that's, Moments like that are what elevate you to the shit bucket Hall of Fame, Dave. When you you race through the game when it was at its absolute buggiest to get the platinum, <laughs> and then fast forward like three months, they're like, "Hey, we fixed everything." I took uh, some performance enhancers, and I think I stayed up for like a twenty nine hour period playing the game. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to take drugs to. <laughs> For entertainment, I'm definitely not going to play some shitty video game. <laughs> it was during the pandemic, and and as far as a piece of shit goes, it's a pretty shiny piece of shit. You know, like there's some moments of it where it's like a fucking gorgeous game, but yeah, it was. And then you'd get like fucking kicked out because your game crashed. <laughs> so. Yeah, and, and that was a perfect example of a game that, you know, I got suckered into largely because that's a universe I adore and I'll almost any game that takes place in that setting and, and tries to do it serious um, will always pique my interest. Um, you know, I, I have that Deus Ex uh, sequel that has been on my hard drive forever and I keep like putting off playing it because I want to be able to really enjoy it, but 
supposed um, to be a good game. That's why I keep hearing, and I enjoyed the first one, and and even Cyberpunk. Like honestly, if I removed the hype train and didn't treat it like an RPG and actually treat it as just a first person shooter, wasn't the worst experience I had playing games. So, yeah, I mean, there's you know, was it Nazi Zombie Army Four? I mean. <laughs> Well, I mean, so many of our selections, I, I, I don't think you can understand how understate, I should say, how much easier it is to get a hold of video games these days. I mean, when we were young, it was practically the same price. It was 50, 60 bucks for a game. It's the same price for new games now, for new AAA games now. Inflation is like you know, people are bitching about a $70 video game. Like if you adjust for inflation when we were kids, it was probably like 150, 200 bucks for a game. And I mean, there, there was no like Metacritic out there. You know, you had to rely on word of mouth from your friends. That's not even to say like, I mean, I'm, I'm rocking both, you know, for basically 22 bucks a month, I'm rocking PlayStation extra and Xbox games, uh, game pass. I've got like a thousand games I can access. Um, So that's part of, you know, why you can play so many damn games now is because there's such, there's such a low barrier to trying out different stuff, you know? So I I think that's like a huge influence on why I don't play Madden year after year anymore. You know, it's because I can find other stuff really easily without spending a ton of money. Yeah, no, that's the one I always refer to as the everlasting gobstopper. Those games where they just pump extra shit in there to make it so it's worth your bet. You get all the bang for your buck. And I can respect that a lot, actually. Like, I I can really appreciate, like, again, actually, perfect example is the Watch Dogs 2 that I'm currently playing, where there's so much content there that I won't personally go through and, and partake in because I have no interest in collecting a hundred things scattered throughout the map or finding every submission or doing every race and all those things. But for somebody who can only afford like a couple of games a year, that's huge. Cause now all of a sudden your investment, like you're talking hundreds of hours off of one video game purchase. So I, I definitely think there's some merit to that. And you're right, Jack, like there's a lot of those games that in years past I would slog through when, it wasn't so easy to have just a vast collection at your fingertips. Um, You know, I mean, hell, I spent a number of years just basically being like one of those little minnows that floats alongside the shark with you with uh, whatever title you buy and then finish and be like, all right, I'm done with this. And then I'd be like, oh, boy, now I get to play The Last of Us. So I I always got a few from you, too. It'd go go both ways. Yeah, yeah. Here and there. (laughs) But definitely, like, that was always kind of my thing. It was like I'd only end up purchasing a couple of titles a year. So it was kind of Mm -hmm. a big deal to have like a buddy you could kind of swap with or or you know in years past you had the kid in the neighborhood that you might not even be that close with them but he had good video games so it's like you give him a call on a saturday and be like hey what are you doing <laughs> like I, mean, I remember when i was like six no like 14 um i had a buddy in like a casual friend i found his nintendo collection i was like holy cow look at all these games he was like yeah i'll give you like 10 games for like 30 bucks i was like what you know like that was i had i had games for like 
they're, you know, they're old school SNES. It was like six, seven years past when they were all been released. But for me, it was like a freaking, you know, a gold mine. And now like, that's nothing, you know, seven games. Like I got 20 games on my hard drive. I'm waiting to play right now. And they just announced that Oli Oli world's going to be free next month on PlayStation. So yeah. Yeah. That's going to make playing final. Uh, yeah. I'm going to play final fantasy 16 and you know, um, I'm kind of like kind of curious about how that's going to play because this is like one of those games where, you know, it's that huge drama scale, you know, the graphics are going to be nuts, you know, the music's going to be good, you know, but it's like, how's it going to play? How's it going to feel? Like, is it going to be cheesy, too cheesy, too, like, are they going to try too hard, you know? So I'm kind of throwing myself in the sense that hey, this is like a very attractive thing. And, you know, I'm just not going to pre-order. I don't want to participate in that shit anymore. But I, I anticipate buying this game. So, um, yeah, it's just I really hope that they're able to pull that same kind of feeling from the older Final Fantasies into this. So, you know. Yeah, I, I'll admit that you sent me that trailer. And for the first, like, three quarters of it, I was like, Dave, this looks so bad. And then it really ramped up and showed some of the combat sequences. I was like, that looks pretty damn cool. So uh, I, I hope I will probably base my decision based on how you enjoy it when you pick it up. But um, it's a game I'm going to pay attention to for sure. Well, it's kind of like an offshoot of our topic this week. It's like when you go back to that old nostalgia feeling, like, and, usually it doesn't work but when it does it can like really like i mean when you guys convinced me to get uh starcraft back in the day because i i would love uh rts's so much as a kid it was like oh it was like you know it just completely rejuvenated my rejuvenated my love for that for that game style um city skylines you know the sim city clone uh and you know all the 2d platformers i'm you know you know, going back to my old Mario brothers, I, I think it's always kind of fun. Like when those work and, and when they don't, because a lot of times they don't like there's certain genres that I can't stand now that I was like really into when I was a kid. So um, yeah, good luck. Good luck in your quest to find your, uh, to find your golden era plum. <laughs> yeah, no. And you're absolutely right. Like part of the reason I've kind of abandoned titles like that is because what was once cool in the sprite-based RPG world is not cool when you 3D render it and, like, make the characters look like real humans and, like, some of that shit, like, some of it just gets really, really lame really quick. Well, and, I mean, talk about that. Talk about, like, first-generation 3D games. You try and bring those mechanics in, and it's, like, painfully obvious how far that, you know, those mechanics just do not work in, in, in gaming today. But you're right, Jack. Like, there is that nostalgia factor is a huge component, too. Like, I, I mean, I alluded to, like, I like those dystopic, like, cyberpunk kind of atmosphere games. And a lot of that stems from falling in love with the Shadowrun game on Super Nintendo, just, you know, which was the popular, you know, tabletop R- RPG as well. But, you know, it was playing the video game was my introduction to that world. And I just thought it was so cool and so different and very mature for this SNES era. So 
naturally I gravitate towards that. And like you say, sometimes it backfires like when Cyberpunk 2049 came out and it was like, oh yay, this is just like being a kid. And it's a total disappointment. But by that same token, there's the other side of it. Like, um, you know, when I realized how much I really enjoyed Sekiro was when I realized like, even though it's a 3D title, like it was very much had so many of the elements of old 2D games that I loved back on like regular Nintendo and stuff with just like the heavy emphasis on like boss fights where it was like very just like this is like you have to be 100% honed in in order to make it work. And it was just the way they structured that gameplay. It was like even though the perspective had shifted, it was the basic elements of the gameplay were very much like in line with things that like I remember just adoring or just spamming the attack button and trying to dodge until drastically throughout the whole whole round. Well, and on the on the flip side, Sekiro was like nothing I had ever played before. So um, finding those new new experiences. Uh, something else that popped up in my skull was what what's a multiplayer like? You know, so I'm pretty lucky. Jack and I can sync up pretty well when we get into a video game as far as like jamming on it. You know, Grounded was one. I mean, Rocket League, Laser League, Battlefield won for a while. But the list, you know, is pretty expansive. So, you know, that's something I always look forward to is, you know, is it, hey, is there an, a cool multiplayer game that, you know, maybe Jack and I could get into? that you know if he has the time is intrigued enough would want to finish it out so uh yeah that's definitely something i look forward to well that multiplayer player component is like the big reason why i you know was getting into games in my in my early 20s is is the is basically the adrenaline rush like jumping in and having like competition real people to compete with and I, it's tough for me to find these days because one of the dr- negative drawbacks of jumping to all these different games is you can't really compete. Um, so you kind of got to get lucky to jump into like a a game that hasn't found like a, a established audience yet. Uh, but I love, love the feeling of like a really competitive game where neither sides, you know, where where it's like two sides duking it out and and the skill level is pretty similar. And uh, I just, there's, there's not really like the same energy, like you, you play sports in real life and you, you do get that, but in video games, it's definitely like more, um, I don't know, like, <laughs> well, Hokra, you know, like, look at that. Like if someone were to slap just a picture of like a match on a Nintendo cartridge and try to sell it, you know, I probably would be like, what the fuck is this shit? You know, like. I'd probably overlook it and I'd go, oh, the adventures of Link, you know, some shit like that with the gold cartridge. Uh, but yet, you know, that game, how many hours of fun did we have on such a simple premise as that, you know? Well, I, I would argue too that like a lot of what, at least in my case, drove me to really fall in love with video games is it was one of the first things that like you felt really good at, like once you you got certain titles and that carried over, especially like you were talking about, Jack, like in co- competitive games, like that's your validation when when you can play like a fighting game and beat a bunch of people with it or play like an RTS game and beat somebody heads up. Like that's such a gratifying feeling. And, and you, the sports metaphor is actually perfect because like 
when you play like amateur sports, like you may get that small window of time where you're like the, the descriptor would be in the zone, I suppose, or that concept of flow that is utilized to in, in philosophy or modern philosophy of just like where everything seems to slow down and you're in complete control and, and everything just naturally comes to you or whatever. But video games, if you're good at them, like you can get into that state much, much quicker than you can trying to like play pickup hoops with your friends after work. So, um, so yeah, there is that kind of sense of like that validation of, of feeling like you're actually really good at this that comes with video games. And, you know, for me, a lot of that, that's why taking on some of these challenging titles now is because I can't hang with the multiplayer for all the reasons you mentioned, where I just don't dedicate enough time to get good enough to, to be able to with most online communities. So instead I seek out challenging single player titles that, you know, bash me over the head countless times, but I know if I can say I beat it, it says a lot about where I stand as a gamer. So. Well, and that, like that, kind of transcends to you know that that same rush you get from the multiplayer is is why i love boss battles so much you know like it's it's the same adrenaline rush that you know it's 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 dopamine i mean that's what it is it's it is literally what you know people pay good money for drugs <laughs> to give them well i i throw i throw my cartridge or my uh, data in and I, I get it through a controller <laughs> Uh, Monster Hunter World was such an odd one for me and why it stuck so much. Um, not only one is it just a very detailed and gorgeous game, but I felt like the art direction and the music were something that I was just like really into. And But it, here was this thing. It was multiplayer, but you're not ever, ever competing against another human. You're always fighting, you know, this, you know, you know pretty much the game. And I think that's where I enjoy so much is that that's a cooperative multiplayer. But yet, you know, you put me in Halo or you put me in Battlefield 1 and I'm always striving to like try to get to the top of that leaderboard. Uh, It's such a weird kind of juxtaposition with me sometimes where it just kind of really depends on, you know, what we're playing, you know, that I get hyper competitive in versus you know, this is the cool laid back experience. And now we're sharing this cool moment, you know, where, you know, we're not really in it for a competition. It's just kind of just to play. So I don't know. That might have something to do with just like the type of um, teammate, I guess. But, but I mean, one thing that always jumps out to me, Plum, is you've always tried to, you've always more gravitated towards games that are more like um, class specific. Uh, when you're part of a team, you know, you, you don't like I'm always more of like a team deathmatch because I just I just like my own little, you know, world. Uh, yeah, you got to protect your, you know, your your teammates flanks and you got to play smart. But at the bottom line, I just want to see like 18 and 10 at the end of the match. And that's what gives me my my kicks. But you're always the one like dropping the supply kits and, you know, uh, you know, the the flares, to, you know, to spot flares and um trying to work different mechanics in that like more synergize with your teammates. Um, so I think it's just a different way of, you know, getting involved in, in what you're playing. Yeah. I, I will say you always like really thrived in those kind of facilitator roles. Like you, you always, 
even like in this arc recordings, whenever you guys bring up a game where there's kind of like a support role, like you tend to like, just like gravitate towards that for whatever reason, which is cool because, you know, so many people who play video games always want to just like be the, the one who's out there challenging everything and making all the kills and everything. But, but to really get the full experience of some of these team oriented games, like you do have to kind of take somebody who takes a step back and is more the facilitator or, or the grind master collecting all the resources, <laughs> the, the ship bucket, who's willing to put pour in the hours, carving up a field of minerals. <laughs> so. See, we all play our, our different roles in these multiplayer games, you know, like plumber's a facilitator, I'm the guy who runs out and gets killed. So everybody, you know, can kind of like shoot the people who shoot me. <laughs> the lure. You're the lure. The lure. Yeah, I'm the lure. <laughs> no, um, it, it's true, though. I mean, even like when we played Elden Ring, like you picked the like kind of the glass cannon character. And whereas Jack and me picked the like meathead samurai guys that can go and take some absorb more punishment and charge ahead. So. Well, you know, being a facilitator in Overwatch 2 was a give-and-take relationship. Like, if a player pissed me off enough, I just stopped healing him. <laughs> just focused on someone else. <laughs> I could have been just as evil. Um, but it, um, I think, it, you know, and another thing is in Elden Rings Online, I was always able to find a group, like, super quick because everyone needs a healer and they're just super rare and I think part of it just comes from what Jack was saying like I like being the team player and you know sometimes like being that background role is something that can help the team win immeasurably you know so um, yeah I think Jack actually just nailed it (laughs) I like helping no it's pretty cool especially because that is a more modern introduction to gaming of just that ability to to take on more of the helper role rather than you know the classic team death match of everybody's got to alpha of each other and and that was back when you were just lobbing grenades at your own teammates if it meant (laughs) taking out two baddies to get one and one (laughs) own kill at the time so well one one another kind of like branch of the the overall topic of why do you play games and and we talk about this a bunch but um just the ability to stay connected um i mean and and this pod is one example but i mean like last month spending you know i'm not sure how many hours dozens of hours online with uh with ryan um you know i see him at game night here and there and and i get a chance to catch up with him but but for the most part i you know, um, I don't, and just to kind of like have that camaraderie with, with a guy who I haven't spent time with in several years was really cool for me. Um, you know, obviously Dave is, you know, the, the, the gimme example because we've spent, you know, thousands of hours over the course of the last, you know, 15 years online. I'm old and boring now. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but I mean, Malcolm, you know, whenever I, on the rare occasions he pops on, it's always like, you know, an event for me. I'm like, Oh, Malcolm's on. And Nicole's like, well, I guess I got to let him play video games. <laughs> no, no Chicago fire for me. Um, so uh, yeah, I mean, it's just one more way to, to stay in contact with the people who you otherwise um, don't get to see as, as often as you would like. Yeah, that's a fair point. Um, for for, <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say I, I get less of that, but but 
for me, the dumping ground is, is the podcast is getting an excuse to get back together and feel like I'm, I'm gaining something too from like when I put in these hours on a game, sometimes it may be just doing shit buck leveling up runs, but um, it still feels good to come back and kind of like discuss like what's going on in the game or, or what my approach is or, or what I'm trying to achieve in it. And, and um, makes it, makes it realize like it's, you're not on autopilot throughout it. Cause again, that that's always my biggest thing I avoid now with games is like one where I just feel like, like that's how I feel with some, some of the less engaging shooters now. Like I've heard like, some of the better, like Call of Duty's gotten a little better, but for a few years there, it was like, I'd try to hop on. It was just like, A, I suck, so I'm terrible. But I think it's so hard to judge those games because we're just not, unless you're like one of those people who plays it, like you just get smoked. But it, but that was kind of the thing. Like I didn't feel like that was the case with shooters before. Like I felt like there was like, and maybe it was just, less people were online or people weren't as good when we were younger, but, but I just, yeah, I I strongly believe that. But like, I I just felt like it was, you could be more casual and still kind of like get something out of it. But now it it just feels like I'm on autopilot of like, okay, I take two steps and I'm dead and I revive and I take two steps and I'm dead. And this time I got to shoot my gun. So, (laughs) but but it's not really like rewarding in any regard other than that. Like the, the closest I could feel is like when we were all on apex early on when it first launched and everyone kind of, you know, there were clearly some people who were really good, but you could at least exist in the world for about a half an hour at a time before you get smoked. So you can at least feel like you're exploring or we'd at least get the moments on the mic of being like, Oh, what happens if we go over here? And, you know, versus I guarantee if we hop on, you know, tomorrow night or whatever it would be like five seconds upon hitting the ground just like <laughs> i mean halo infinite the other night that was exactly what that was is is it was these big sprawling maps and like you'd spend a minute trying to find somebody and by the time you you couldn't find somebody so you're like really trying which just exposes yourself and then you just get smoked and those it, it was the opposite of fun it was and it, it, it wasn't necessarily the fault of the game it just it's really tough to combat when you have these hardcore audiences that you can't compete against yeah map knowledge you know for that like i just you know there's a lot of points where jack was saying like i was just like traversing trying to figure out how to get to the other side and all of a sudden i'm getting shot from an angle and it's this guy that's sitting on a rock but you know that's what gives me the advantage in halo 2 is you know i still remember those maps so I have a pretty good idea about where to go, where someone's going to shoot from, like where all the good weapons are. So, but yeah, uh, Halo Infinite was definitely uh, disappointing. So, 343 sucks. <laughs> 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 I think it was funny, like I got you to download it because I was like, oh, Plumber loves Halo. We should play this new Halo together. And then like we played that night. We both were kind of like left with like a, funky taste in our mouths we, we hadn't made up our minds yet but the next day i go on reddit and it's all like all these people bitching that 343 has been renewed for for microsoft it's just hate for like everywhere i go it's just hate in my reddit sub threads i'm like oh shit well oops <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and these are all the people pumping up the Witcher 3 too. So I imagine so. All right, boys, any other thoughts you have here on uh, what goes into your thought process in selecting games you play? Nah, just, you know, having being lucky and having a good set of friends that, you know, have good, like, different points of view on it is such a big help. So I'll just say a uh, perfect example. Uh, Bethesda just surprise dropped this, like, really random rhythm game for free on xbox game pass called hi-fi rush it's totally not you know i I have no rhythm like there's a reason i like try and make excuses to avoid the dance floor whenever i'm at like a wedding or anything you know eventually i'll get sucked out there for like two or three songs but for the most part i'm like oh yeah there's something really interesting in this corner over here but um just just doing just playing a game that I'm, i'm not you know used to playing this this really cool rhythm fighting game really interesting style and just jumping in I don't know. Yeah, no, and I continue to wade through the buckets of shit that they post up on uh, the free uh, Sony PS network. So uh, every now and then I get one that engages me enough, especially in between some of these larger AAA titles and or time suck titles that I sort through. So, um, you know, and and some of it's the appreciation of how far we've come too, because we've all been gaming for a very long time and, um, you know, it, it's a good feeling in a way to kind of realize that, like, even some of these terrible titles would have occupied probably my entire, like, year when I was a kid of just being, like, going back to that well over and over and forcing myself to get some enjoyment out of it because I paid my 50 bucks. So now it's kind of a it's a weird nostalgia trip to kind of, like, play through it and be like, this game is terrible, but. I I have so many other ones to choose from and they're most of them are equally terrible, but you know, part of the joy is discovering the good ones, right? That's most of joy. <laughs> <laughs> all right, boys. Well, with all that being said, this has been couch co-op a video game podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Take care.